Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. I invite Henny to the front, not Henny Kutzer, but Henny Swart. Henny Swart is our regional leader from Shofar Joburg and Santon. And Henny, thank you for being here tonight. Um, Henny is also here to preach a sermon and also to ordain Henny Kutzer. Um, that is our new pastor as well. So Henny, we look forward to receiving from you. Thanks, Brian. Nice to, to be here with you guys. I always enjoy coming to, to worship with you and to share with you. I want to share with you um, a, from a passage in 1 Timothy 4, verse 6 to 16, uh, which I think is a very appropriate portion of Scripture because it's a portion of Scripture that Paul, the apostle, is ministering to Timothy, who was um, a young pastor, relatively young pastor in, in the church in Ephesus. And so I'm going to be speaking in, in one sense to, to Henny um, directly, you know, as Paul spoke to Timothy. But if you read the book of Timothy, it's interesting. It sort of ends with Paul saying, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So even though it was addressed specifically to Timothy, it was addressed to Timothy in the presence of all the saints, of the entire church in Ephesus. Um, and, and I think what I'm going to be addressing to Henny um, this evening applies to all of us in, in one sense uh, or another. So uh, let me just read that uh, passage I'm reading from the ESV. It says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 6 to 16, If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, Rather, train yourself in godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of all acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people especially, of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the Council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that. Your word is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you that it's more relevant than the news in the morning paper, Lord. And thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you come and 
make this word alive to our hearts and teach us, instruct us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this passage talks about being a good servant. Uh, the NIV says a good minister of Christ Jesus. How to be a good minister of Christ Jesus. And um, in a sense, Henny is being ordained as a minister of Christ Jesus. So I think it's a relevant question that he wants answered. How, how, how can I be a good minister of Christ Jesus? How can I minister effectively for Jesus Christ? Um, and the first thing I want you to notice is that uh, it, it says, well, let me start on this side. It, even though it's applicable to any in a special way, and even though it was applicable to Timothy in a special way, it's actually applicable to all of us. Because remember what Ephesians 4 says. It says, the fivefold ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And the saints, contrary to the Roman Catholic usage, is not people like Mother Teresa or St. Augustine. The saints is everyone who is in Christ Jesus. Okay, We are God's holy ones. We are God's saints. So the saints are all Christians. Okay, Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a saint. Some of you are struggling to say that. Some of you are like, <laughs> I'm not so sure. <laughs> Look, let me, let me just explain it to you. There are three levels of holiness. Okay, There's, pos there's positional holiness... In other words, in your position in Christ, you are holy. Because you are one with Christ, you are as holy as Christ is. Okay? And if you're in Christ, if you're born again and you're in Christ, then you have positional holiness. And then you can say, I am a saint. Then there's progressive holiness. That's when your behavior catches up to your position in Christ. Okay? That's why the Bible says, be continually renewed in your mind and be continually conformed in your behavior to Christ. So that's progressive holiness, sanctification, okay? Heiligmaking for the Afrikaans people. And then there's perfected holiness. That's one day when Christ returns and in the twinkling of an eye, we become like him and our holiness is perfected. So yes, we don't have perfected holiness and we're still busy with progressive holiness, but we all have positional holiness. So now turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm a saint and say it like you mean it. <laughs> 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 the fivefold ministry, you know, fivefold ministers, apostles, prophets, pastors, and that kind of stuff are not given to do the work of the ministry. They're given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay? So when it says, yeah talks about being a good servant or a good minister of Christ Jesus. It applies to all of us because all of us are called to be ministers or servants of Christ Jesus. All of us are called to minister, um, to do the work of the, of the ministry. So all of us want to know, okay, what does it mean to be a good minister of Christ Jesus? And, and Paul, three times in this passage, he mentions these things. If you put these things before the brothers, uh, and, and by the way, Probably a better translation there would be brothers and sisters. Um, you, the Greeks used Adelphoi, which is the, the 
plural of brothers, when, when referring to a group of men, they used Adelphi, which is the plural of sisters, when referring to a group of women. But they also used Adelphoi, the plural of brother, to refer to a group that was both men and women. Okay, So when it uses Adelphoi here, that's quite typical of referring to a mixed group of, of men and women, brothers and, and sisters. So that would probably have been a, a better translation because there were sisters in the church in Ephesus. Okay, we know it. You can go and read the rest of the letter. It talks about the sisters in the letter. <laughs> they are mentioned. Okay, so it says, um, if you put these things before the brothers and sisters, you'll be good servant or minister of, of Christ Jesus. Um, and then it says in verse 11, command and teach these things. And then in verse 15, practice these things. So these things, um, I'm not going to go into the detail, but it pretty much refers to the whole letter, the things that Paul is mentioning in the letter. So you have some homework to do, any, and the rest of the ministers of Christ Jesus. Go and read the letter of 1 Timothy, and some I'll th some I'll throw in 2 Timothy for free. Go and read that as well. <laughs> and, and find out what these things are that Paul is talking to. But it also refers to the things that he mentions here in context that we've um, just read now. So we're all... We all want to be good ministers of Christ Jesus. We all are already. If you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you are a minister of Christ Jesus. But all of us can be better ministers of Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian, you cannot choose whether you want to be a minister of Christ Jesus or not. You can only choose whether you want to be a good minister of Christ Jesus or not. Okay? Um, but then notice that it says a minister of Christ Jesus Minister means servant, of course. You know, I think we need to remind our governmental, you know, ministers of the political ministers of that as well, because it seems they've forgotten. But you know, many many ministers, many of us as Christians, you know, ministers in the church have also forgotten that minister means servant and serving. But notice that even though you're a servant, even though you're serving, you are not primarily serving people. You're serving Christ Jesus. Christ is, of course, Jesus's, it's not his surname, it's his title. Okay, his parents weren't Mary and Joseph Christ. Okay, Jesus is his name, Christ is his title. So it, Christ means anointed king. Okay, that's what Christ means. So we're servants of the anointed king, Jesus. So when you serve, you're serving primarily Jesus. And you serve people because you serve Jesus. And I always say it's much like uh, a butler in a house. Uh, the butler, when you come and you knock at the door, you know, imagine you know, one of these nice old Victorian homes with a, with, with a knocker on. You knock at the door, doof, 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 and you hear these footsteps coming to the door and the door swinging open. And invariably there's a butler with you know, a British accent. Hello, sir, madam. How can I help you? <laughs> Um, I want to see your master. Do come in, please. You know, and he takes your coat and he hangs it on, on the hook at the door and he ushers you in and he maybe offers you uh, a cup of tea or something like that. And he's serving you by letting you in, by taking your coat, by giving you tea. He's serving you, but he doesn't serve you because he is your servant. He serves you because he's his master's servant. And his master has, has charged him to as a butler to serve you as his guest. Now, it's the same with us. 
when we serve one another and when we serve the people in the world, we serve one another and we serve the people in the world as Christ's servant. And, and we are just imitating him when we do that because Mark 10, the end of the chapter, Jesus says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So I think the only way you can be effective or a good minister in Christian terms, a good servant in Christian terms, is if you don't primarily try and serve people, but you primarily try and serve Christ. Because the problem is, you know, as servants, when we serve people, we, we can't always, if we want to be good servants of Christ, give them the service they want. Because the Bible tells us that we often want the wrong stuff. As leaders who are servants, we can't always lead people to where they want to be because that's the, the modern definition of leadership is helping people to where they want to get to. The problem is where we as fallen people want to go is not always the right place. And, and, and if you're a good leader in worldly terms and you help people to climb the ladder of success, they might just discover at the end of the day that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. You see, I always think of Moses as an example. He was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt towards the promised land. But he wasn't always leading them to where they wanted to go because sometimes they wanted to go back to Egypt. He was leading to them to where God wanted them to be because he was firstly a servant of God before he was a servant of the people. And if we want to be good ministers, as I'm sure we all do, then we need to figure that part out first and make sure that we are first and foremost primarily servants of Christ Jesus, the king of, of the anointed King Jesus, and not just of people. We serve people, we serve Jesus by serving people, and we serve people because we're serving our master Jesus. Okay, and how does that ministry or that service look? Um, if you look in verse 11, it says, command and teach these things. So there's a commanding, there's a teaching. Uh, let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example, set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, and then it says, do not neglect the gift that you have. So how does that look? How does that ministry to people look? It's, it's a much more, well-rounded, a much more um, holistic ministry than we often allow for because we have a stereotype of ministry, just like we have a stereotype of teaching. When, when we think of teaching, what do we think of? Most of our minds go to the classroom, to, to a school classroom where you have a teacher writing on a blackboard and you're learning theory, you're learning maths or you're learning science or something like that. But even at school, learning is more than just that because there are labs where you do practicals as well. There are computers where you actually do program. You don't just learn the theory of how to write the if-then statement. You actually code it on the computer. You, you actually do a spreadsheet. So all learning is theory and practice. Most people, when they think about teaching and learning, they think only of the theory. But it's theory and practice. You know, think of um, a keyboard. Yes, you have to learn certain music theory, you know, chords and, 
first you, know, you need to learn the scale, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, and <laughs> the major scale. Um, but the major scale means absolutely nothing to you unless you put in the hours of practicing that scale on the keyboard until it becomes habit, until you develop the muscle memory so you can play it well and use it to play certain chords and, and, and progressions and stuff. So there needs to be the theory, but there needs to be the practice as well. Uh, think of an electrician. Yes, you need to learn certain equations about how to you know, do calculations of ohms and, and volts and amps and all kinds of stuff and watts. You need to be able to do those calculations. You need that theory. But unless you also have someone to whom you become an apprentice that can show you how to strip a wire <laughs> and how to actually wire a house and install a geezer and, and, and connect it, that theory means very little. You need to be able to put it into practice. Okay? And that's why when Paul talks about ministering to people, he mentions two things. He, actually, three things. One, one is a bit more hidden behind the other two. But the first two things he mentions is ministry in speech. But then he also mentions ministry in conduct, in word and in deed. And, and, and that should be no surprise to us because Jesus, like Moses in the Old Testament, was a prophet mighty in word and deed. And if we want to minister, we must minister in word and in deed. You see, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Christianity cannot be communicated only in words. Now let me just qualify that and say very clearly that it cannot be communicated without words either. Poor Francis of Assisi is often wrongly quoted as having said, always preach the gospel and if necessary use words. Now number one, he never said that. <laughs> okay. And number two, if he had said that he would have been wrong because the gospel can never be less than words. The gospel is, the, the word euangelion literally means good news. The gospel can be, never be reduced to less than words. You cannot minister the gospel just with your behavior. You have to use your words. The gospel is news. If, if the gospel was good advice, then you could have ministered it just with your behavior and just with your actions, just with your deeds. You could have lived out that good advice and showed everyone what kind of life you have to live in order to be saved. But the gospel is not good advice about what you must do to save yourself. It's good news about what Jesus did to save you. That's why Brown made such a fuss about it and asked you the question. If Peter stands at the pearly gates and asks you, on what basis should I allow you into heaven? If you say because you should allow me in because I did this, that, and the other. Or, no, I suppose you shouldn't allow me in because I didn't do this, that, and the other. Then you still see the gospel as good advice and not as good news. Good advice about what you must do to save yourself rather than good news about what Jesus has done to save. Amen? Does that make sense? The good news is that the gospel is not good advice. Because if it were good advice only, none of us would be saved. 
Because our problem is not that we don't know what to do, but that we are unable to consistently do it. And that's why Jesus comes to save us. Why he comes to do it in our place and then empower us through his grace and through his spirit to actually do it. That should put a smile on your dial and make you quite happy. Relieved. Okay. Good ministers in word and in deed. So he says to, 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 to Timothy um, in verse 12, set, but set, an exa- set the believers an example. In other words, minister indeed. Minister through your behavior and your actions. Uh, set the believers an example. Uh, and then he says, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And he mentions there three areas. Speech, words, conduct, behavior, or lifestyle. And then he mentions um, in love, in faith, in purity, where where speech and and behavior are on the outside, they're external. Love, faith, purity, or integrity are on the inside. In other words, in the heart. So there are three different areas in which Christian ministry takes place. It it takes place um, through your words in speech. takes place through your actions or your behavior, your lifestyle, conduct, and it takes place through your heart, your inner being, your love, your faith, your purity. And all three of those areas, all three of those boxes in a sense must be ticked if you want to be a good minister of Christ Jesus. You can't minister just in speech or just in conduct. Um, You need you cannot just minister on the outside. The, the ministry on the outside in word and deed must come from the inside, from a heart of love, a heart of faith, a heart of purity. You know, I, um, I'm quite a serious introvert and I, I don't really like big groups. I'm okay one-on-one or in a really small group. Uh, and I've, I never liked speaking in front of people. You wouldn't say it today, but I, I really started quite badly. Orals were my worst. I hated them. I, I literally, I, I was terrified. I would go blank and I couldn't think. I couldn't speak. I'd stutter. I'd struggle to get a word out, you know, with, without saying, um, and, you know, I, I just really struggled. And when I started, when I became a, a um, you know, Bible school teacher in the late 90s and, and eventually a, a pastor in, in the early 2000s, I struggled to, to minister, to preach the word or to teach the word because I was so self-conscious. I was so worried about how I'd come across that, you know, I, I really struggled just to communicate. And the thing that helped me was to say... Um, to, to make sure that my heart was set on the right place. To make sure that people, I, I didn't want to minister because I wanted to impress people or, you know, that my motive wasn't anything else than firstly love for God and faith in God and love towards God's people and faith that the gospel would change their lives in a, in a positive way. and. I got into the habit of every time before I preach, just to pray and to say, God, <laughs> you know, I, I know I tend to be self-conscious. In other words, I, I focus on myself, which is the wrong focus. My heart is focused on the wrong place. 
I need, to, I need to focus outward. I need to focus firstly on you, because I'm a servant of Christ Jesus, and then on the, on the people that I'm going to minister to. I need to love you and I need to love them. Please use this ministry to glorify yourself for your greatest glory and for their greatest good. Please use it. Um, and, and I found that I ministered much more easily and much more effectively when I got my heart in the right place. When my heart was in the right place, my words and my conduct, my speech and my conduct fell into place as well. And I'm sure most of you will know from experience that when your heart is right towards God and towards people, then ministry happens quite effortlessly. You don't have to sort of force yourself to do it. You're like a, a horse chomping at the bit, you know, ready to go, and, and it just happens naturally. So word and deed ministry, but motivated by a heart ministry. That is what Paul is talking about here. And, and then he says, you know, through example, you know, through your deeds, your, 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 your actions, your conduct. But then he also says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Also in word, but the word that you're supposed to minister are not your words, but God's words. God's word. Okay? Interesting what he says here. He says, read the Scripture. Don't just preach about the Scripture. Read the scripture publicly, out loud, so people can hear the scripture because ultimately it's the word of God that changes us. Um, I, 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 one of my favorite quotes is by a guy called Hammersmith. He, he says, um, exposition is the best evangelism. It's still true that the spirit of God uses the word of God to make a child of God. The spirit of God uses the word of God to make a child of God. People need to, we need to hear the word. And that's why we read those verses out loud. Okay? People need to hear the scripture. But like A.W. Pink says, they don't, don't just give people the sound of scripture. Give them the sense of scripture. And that's where the other two things come in. Reading, the public reading of scripture through exhortation and teaching. What is teaching? Teaching is explanation. Okay? People need explanation. People need to understand scripture. It needs to make sense to them. They need to get it. But it's not enough that you just explain it to them and they understand it. They have to go and apply it and that's where the exhortation comes in. Encouraging, exhorting um, people to actually apply it. Um, but then he doesn't stop there. He says, do not neglect the gift you have. And, and the word gift there, some of you will know, is, is, is the Greek word charismata. Charis means grace, and charismata means grace gift. Or actually, in this case, it's the singular, charismatos. Um, so he says, it's not enough just to minister scripture. The Holy Spirit inspired scripture. So when you're ministering scripture, you are ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit doesn't only give scripture, he also ministers through the gifts, the charismata. And don't neglect the gifts that you've been given. Charismata are grace gifts or supernatural giftings. In other words, 
the, the kingdom of God, ministry, um, being a good minister of Christ Jesus, you have to be like him. And he's, Jesus, he's, he's Christ Jesus. He's the anointed king, Jesus. And if you want to serve him, like him, you must be the anointed Eni Kutzer and the anointed Vian Brown and the anointed whoever. Because his ministry was a supernatural ministry. You just have to read the Gospels to see that. His ministers should be supernatural ministers. And that's why we should not neglect the gift that is in us. Now, one way to neglect the gift that is in you is to not know what the gift that is in you. If you don't know what the gift is that you have, remember 1 Corinthians 12 says, to each one, not to certain ones, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Hello? I mean, we've been taught, you know, especially unfortunately through, um, you know, many traditional churches who denounced the gifts and, and, and didn't believe in the gifts that the gifts have ceased or that only certain, you know, privileged Christians have gifts. But that's not what Paul taught. And that was not the case in the, in, in the churches that Paul planted. In fact, if Paul walked into many Christian churches today, he would hardly recognize them as Christian churches. Because they look very different from the churches he planted. Do not neglect the gift, because the gifts were operating to each one was given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Holy Spirit wants to manifest through you, through the, through the charismata. Do you know what the gift is that he has given you? What the manifestation is he wants to make through you? If you don't know, don't feel guilty about it. Just find out. Just say, God, please show me. Show me, Holy Spirit. And the only way you find out is in community. The gift that was given you when the council of elders laid their hands on you. You don't need a council of elders to lay your hands on you to get a gift. Your small group can lay hands on you. And pray with you so you can discover what your gift is. So what I want you to see is, number one, ministry of a good minister. How to be a good minister of Christ Jesus entails ministering in speech, in conduct, in heart. And it... It, it means ministering in word and in deed. It, minister, it means ministering the word and the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a holistic ministry. It's not reductionistic, not only little bits and pieces here and there. But that's not enough because, you see, you cannot minister effectively in word, in deed, and from your heart, in heart, to other people unless you've received that ministry yourself. And... That is what, what Paul says here. You know, it's, I always think of, of um, you know, um, the, in, in the aeroplane. Whenever I, I fly in an aeroplane, you know, you go and you sort of, you know, go through the aisles and squeeze through and everyone's busy with their luggage and stuff and you find your, your spot and hopefully there's no one sitting there and then you take your bags and stuff and you put it up in the baggage compartment and when everything's nice i usually take out a book i can't fly without a book or something so i, I take out my book and put it uh, down on my seat and then i you know sit down and i'm ready and then just before takeoff this, these poor little ladies come up you know and they start with that you know spiel over the 
the um, you know over the intercom of you know the whole safety procedure and you must this is how you must buckle your seatbelt and tighten it and keep it on you know while the um, you know seatbelt light is on and no smoking and bloody bloody blah and if the the hull is breached then you know you must do this that and the other thing and and no one ever listens um, to that but one of the things that they say <laughs> because you've heard it so many times <laughs> you sort of you know tune it out but one of the things they say is quite profound it says if the hull is ever breached and the oxygen is uh, sucked out oxygen masks will fall from uh, from from um, from the roof and always first put on your own mask before you help someone else with, with their mask you know if a child is sitting next to you don't first put on their mask because when you're halfway putting on their mask you're going to lose consciousness and then you haven't helped them and you haven't helped yourself and then someone else has to help you so first put on your own mask so that you can then put on help other people with their mask and and that's what paul is saying here by all means be a good minister who ministers to people but first put on your own mask first minister to yourself notice what he says here in in verse 6 he says if you put these things before the brothers you'll be a good servant of christ jesus being trained uh, another way to translate it is nourished being trained or nourished in the words of the faith in other words in the words of the gospel and of the good doctrine that you have followed and what, what he says here is firstly you followed the good doctrine you faithfully followed it it's, it's in the perfect tense there. it's completed action you have faithfully followed it you have faithfully not only heard the good teaching but responded to it like Reinhard Bonker says soap has been around for thousands of years yet there are still dirty people in the world Christianity has been in South Africa for a long time hundreds of years I don't know how long and yet there are still people sitting in church who are unsaved because they haven't applied it just because you own a book doesn't mean the knowledge in that book benefits you you can own a book in two ways you can buy it or you can and you can read it and you own it in different ways some some people have bought the book of christianity but they've never read it okay now he says here you have faithfully followed the good teaching in other words you don't only own the book of christianity you've read it you've received it in both ways okay um so that has already happened but then he says and, and this is in the continuous tense he says being trained or literally translated being continuously trained in the words of the of the uh, faith in other words what he's saying is you received the gospel you fully followed it and you've become a christian you've been born again you're not just a nominal christian you're not just a christian in name you're actually a christian but that's not where the gospel ends in your life you must be continuously trained continuously nourished through the words of the faith so you must receive um, the gospel every day have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths in other words you know in contrast to the, the truth the words of the of, of the faith and, and the good doctrine they are um irreverent or, or godless silly myths and and there are so many of them you know myths that we think are true or that we believe as true you know god helps those who help themselves good people go to heaven all of those are myths okay 
the truth of the gospel is what we should follow. Um, then he says, rather train yourself in godliness. So, so he talks about the words, words of the faith, the good doctrine, minister in speech. And then he says, train yourself in godliness. Put it into practice, your conduct. And then he says, um, for bodily training is of some value. Uh, for while God, bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way and holds promise for both for the present life and the life to come. Now, we know that bodily training has a lot of value. Whenever you train bodily, and, and this is not a complete list, your muscles become stronger. But not only do your muscles become stronger, your bones actually become stronger because your bone density is increased by your stronger muscles, which put some pressure on, 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 on your bones. Um, so you're less likely to, to get hurt, you're less likely to get arthritis or you know, rheumatism or that kind of stuff. Um, not only that, your lungs become stronger you know, through the cardiovascular st uh, stuff. Your heart becomes stronger because that's to pump more blood. Okay? So you're less likely to get a heart attack. Not only that, whenever you exercise because of the physical exertion, stress, you, 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 you're actually um, you know, letting go. You're working out the stress in your life. So you're less stressed, you feel better. Endorphins get released in your mind, in your, in, in your brain, dopamine, all that kind of nice stuff. You know? and, and you know that feeling you know, when, you, when you've taken a jog or gone to the gym or done some exercise, gone for a walk or something, and you come back and you take a shower and you just feel good. Huh? That's why many people become addicted to, to exercise, because it feels good. Okay? But not only that, psychologically, you are in better shape. You feel better. You, 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 you maybe have less, you know, I've been, the last couple of weeks I haven't been exercising because I had COVID a couple of weeks ago and I can already feel I'm becoming a role model again. I can already feel my, my pants are a bit tighter and, um, you know, you, you don't feel so, so good about yourself. You, 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 you feel that, you know, I have a slow metabolism so whenever I don't exercise, the fat just just comes and sits here, you know, and it doesn't feel lacquer, you know, you don't feel so lacquer. So, so just psychologically, you don't feel as good. You know, all of those benefits and many more to physical exercise, you, you develop discipline. So because you have discipline in that area of exercise, it translates to discipline in other areas in your life as well. Your work life, your, your personal life, etc. So many benefits, all of those benefits and many more are there. And Paul says... Bodily training is of some value. It doesn't say it's of no value, it's of some value. All those many benefits pale in comparison to training and exercise in godliness. Because where physical exercise only benefits you for this life, benefits you a lot, but only for this life. Training in godliness will benefit you for eternity, not only in this life, but also for eternity. Now, training in godliness will make you a better spouse, a better parent, a better child, because you'll be more like Jesus. So in every situation in your family, you respond better. So your relationships will be better. The people around you will benefit and become better because of it. Okay? It'll make you a better worker. Yeah. <laughs> you you want to know how to become a better worker, a better accountant, a better engineer, a better teacher, a better whatever. Train yourself in godliness. You'll be more punctual. 
You'll get the job done better. You'll do it with a better attitude. You'll do it for the right reasons because you love people and you want to serve them. You'll do it because you want to glorify God. You'll be willing to sacrifice. You won't be worried about who gets the credit for it so much. I mean, you'll be a better team player. I mean, just so many things. But not only in this life, but also for the life to come. Godliness, training in godliness lasts forever. And that's why it says, okay, receive, don't only give ministry in speech, in conduct, in heart, but receive ministry in speech. Let it change your conduct. And then also in heart, he says, for to this end we toil and strive, for we have put our hope, we have our hope set on the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. In other words, the gospel and the promises of the gospel must create hope in your heart. And that'll allow you to endure, to strive, to toil, to keep going. Um, imagine, you know, two men put in the same terrible situation where they have to work hard, you know, long hours, hard work for minimum wage in a sewage plant or something terrible where it smells terrible and it looks terrible and it's just terrible. One of them, you just pay him minimum wage and tell him, you know, the hard work that he has to do. The other one, you do the same, but you add that at the end of a year, he'll get a million rand. The first guy, after a while, after working in these terrible conditions for minimum wage, will just give up and say, this is not worth it. When I do the cost-benefit thing, it doesn't work out. The second guy will say, this is terrible, this is not pleasant, this is not nice, but I have the hope of a greater reward. At the end of the year, I'm going to push through. He will be able to push through. Now, when we hear the word hope, hope in our hearts, we associate hope with uncertainty. I hope the weather will be fine when we have our wedding day or whatever. I hope to receive the promotion. Hope is as certain as the promise in which you place that hope. All hope is based on some, an implicit or explicit promise. The promise of a promotion. The promise of possible good weather. But if the promise is not certain, the hope is not certain. But that's why, and that's why we think of hope as, as a thing, an uncertain thing, a maybe thing. But God's promises are not maybe. They're not uncertain. They are absolutely certain. And therefore, hope, in the biblical sense of the word, hope in the promises of God has no uncertainty. Imagine how consistent you can be. How you can, in the words of verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Imagine how you can persist if you have that hope in your heart. You know, um, Michelangelo, the great painter, the famous painter, he, he was the guy who did the Sistine Chapel, or was, the, was it Michelangelo? He um, knew that the tools that he used was important. He can only be as good a uh, um, an artist as the tools he has. So he always made his own brushes. 
He never bought brushes from anyone else because he didn't trust that they would be good enough quality. He took the time, he put in the effort to make his own brushes so they are the highest quality. Because only then could he be the great artist that he wanted to be. Now God does the same with us. You see, we can only be as effective as our tools, but we are our tools. If you're a minister of Christ Jesus, you are the tool. And Jesus wants to prepare you. Like Michelangelo, the great art master, prepared his own brushes. Jesus, the great eternal life master, wants to prepare you as his brush. And that's why Paul says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. Persist in this. Keep on going. And when we see how much Jesus was willing to sacrifice to serve us, when we look at what he gave up, at the price he paid to be a good minister, we will look at the little sacrifices we have to make and say, compared to what Jesus did for me, that is nothing. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to make the sacrifice. I'm willing to change my life, to be changed in speech, in conduct, in heart, so that I can be a good minister of Christ Jesus. And I will continue to minister first to myself and then out of that to others as well. Freely I've received, freely I will give. But I must freely receive before I can freely give. I can only give what I've received. So, how to be a good minister of Christ Jesus, minister in speech, in conduct, in heart, first to yourself and then to others. Allow God to turn you into his quality tool with which he can make masterful art on this world. Let's stand. I said this morning I was going to be a bit shorter than this evening, and I'm sorry, I, I went a bit longer than I thought I would. I wasn't watching the time. But all of us are ministers of Christ Jesus. But I'm sure all of us want to be better ministers of Christ Jesus. So I just want you to close your eyes right there where you are and just bring your heart before the Lord. And whatever the Holy Spirit has convicted you of, bring that before the Lord and say, Lord, help me. I cannot do this in my own strength, but thank you that I don't have to do it in my own strength. But help me to receive these truths. Help me to receive the gospel and live the gospel so that I can minister the gospel. Spirit says, I want you to give a certain time in the day to me where I want you to, to minister to yourself. Because you're not going to minister the word and minister my grace to other people 
unless you minister it to yourself. So I, I sense the Holy Spirit is challenging some of you to give Him a set time and say, Lord, this time is yours. I'm going to focus on you and I'm going to allow you to minister to me and I'm going to minister to myself so that you can use me to minister to others. And I, I, I just sense the Holy Spirit says, if you do that, if you give me a time every day, I will do things in your life and through your life that you do not expect and that you will not be able to explain. If that, if, if you feel the Holy Spirit is saying that to you, then ask Him, Lord, what, what time must I give to you? And then consecrate to Him, say, Lord, I give this time to you. Spirit has convicted me and I have committed to giving this from this time to this time of my day to him. Please keep me accountable. Please encourage me in this. Yes, Lord God, we just consecrate ourselves to you, Lord God. Lord, we we realize, Lord, that Thank you that you qualify us in Jesus' name. 